Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Happy belated Thanksgiving, I guess. Thanksgiving's over. How many of you are, uh, are uh, present after Thanksgiving? And you know what a food coma is? Anyone? Anyone? Food comas? Anyone? How many of you have a bigger food baby today than you did three days ago? And do you guys know what that is, by the way? I was introduced to this last year. People thought that was, you know, a food baby. You know, it's like if you're a guy and you kind of look like you're pregnant, but it's because you ate a lot of food. You know what I'm talking about? Food baby? Got it? Okay, I can assure you I'm not three months pregnant, but I did have a lot of food on Thanksgiving, and it was a great time to, uh, to spend um, being thankful uh, with, with family members. Um, yeah, it's the end of November of 2020. And how many of us would just give a round of applause to know that 2020 is only one month away from being over? Anybody? Look at that. (laughs) Tell you what, it could go tomorrow for all I care. It can be over. It's been a great year. I'm being facetious. Um, But it actually has been a good year in some ways. Um, We are going to, um, Pastor Matt mentioned it during the announcements, that today is our Thanksgiving service. And we're going to, in a little bit, we're going to turn things in a little bit different way. And we're going to give an opportunity for you uh, just to give thanks for some of the things that you have experienced over this year that you would like to just publicly thank God for. Um, You know, it's, it's difficult in difficult times to be thankful for things when it seems like some of the really difficult things are almost overwhelming. Um, I can speak to that from personal experience, as many of you can as well. This year has had many different struggles for many people. Um, there have been, uh, there's been all kinds of loss. If you're a student, you know, you've lost out of um, uh, graduation ceremonies. You may be lost out of dinners or proms. Uh, there's, there's, uh, as, as family members, there's gatherings that people haven't been able to get together and enjoy. Um, the health of many people have been compromised. Um, people have lost family members. I've lost my mom this year. We have friends that have lost people uh, as well over the years. Other family members that we've known have passed away. This has been a hard year for a lot of people. And the last thing that we would ever want to do is try to put a little candy coating on it and pretend that everything has been great because it hasn't. It's been a difficult year for a lot of people. And that's okay to acknowledge because it's true. But can I tell you this morning, as we spend a few moments before we go into our Thanksgiving service, the circumstances that we walk through really have no negative impact or should not have any negative impact on what we claim to believe as followers of Christ. Because Jesus told us, in this world you will have trouble. He's very clear about that. He said, in this world you're going to have trouble. I know, according to the word that I read, that the world is going to have trouble. And if you haven't looked around recently, look, there's a lot of trouble in this world. But then he says something after that saying, take heart, for I have overcome the world. And when we think about that, many times we equate the physical with what he means by definition. And that's not really what he's talking about there. There are elements of this physical world that he helps us overcome, but ultimately what he's doing in that passage is he's teaching us and challenging us to look beyond the carnal, to look beyond the present, the physical, and say, do you see yourselves as just temporary or do you see yourselves as eternal? God did not create us to be temporary. He didn't create us for just the carnal and the physical. He created us for an eternal purpose. And he wants us to see things with eternal eyes. So the Thanksgiving service is so powerful for us simply because it gives us an opportunity to take a step back and to weed through all the physical things that maybe didn't go right and look at the physical things that did go right 
and still give God honor and glory and thanks for those things and also for the spiritual things that we can trust him in. Amen? Does that make sense? So that's what we're going to do this morning in just a little bit. Um, It'll be a great opportunity for us to do that, and we're going to encourage you now to think about how you can share. I want you to know right now that as we encourage people to do that, a microphone can be a scary thing, but when we bring the microphone up this morning, it won't be up on the stage. It will be down on the floor, and I want you to hear this. Every year when we do this, Um, And we usually have more services and more people that are here for our time this because of COVID, everything has been dramatically changed. But I can tell you one thing, every single year that we do this, people that come and share, many times they're touched and encouraged by what they feel comfortable sharing, but other people that are listening are encouraged by it as well. So don't ever underestimate the fact that what you're going to say today may encourage you, but it definitely may encourage someone else. Make sense? So we're going to take a few moments before we go into our our, um, Thanksgiving service because we have to continue this this series on Rooted. We are in the book of Romans. We're starting Romans chapter 4. And I'm just going to take the next few minutes and I'm going to um, break up or dissect the first eight verses of Romans chapter 4. And I think the timing of it has been really great considering that today is our Thanksgiving service. Um, Today's message from Romans 4, 1 through 8 is entitled, Give Thanks for God's Grace. And it's the very first time that we begin to see, as Paul turns a corner in the book of Romans, where he begins to unpack and reveal the grace of God and how we should be thankful for God's grace. So let me ask you, as you are walking through your day, as you walk through the Thanksgiving holiday, what are you thankful for today? Just think about that for a moment and ask yourself, what are you thankful for today? If you could list those things today, what would be some of the things on the list? Maybe it's family. You know, usually it's like the top three are usually like family, food, and friends. Like people kind of list those as like the big ones. Maybe not necessarily in that order. On Thursday, it might have been food. Food, 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 family, family, friends. I don't know. Um, God is usually in there for some people. Um, A job. Um, I said this morning during our huddle, you know, when you came to church this morning, though things may not be going well in every circumstance of our life, um, I'm willing to bet that most of us woke up this morning in a house that had heat. And if you were hungry, you could go to your refrigerator and get something to eat. Or maybe you could stop at a store and pick something up, which is not even possible in certain areas of this world. So there are things we could be thankful for in the practical. But what are you thankful for, not just in the practical, in the spiritual? And Paul does a really great job turning the corner here in chapter 4, encouraging us to see with spiritual eyes and begin to be thankful for something that's not just practical, but something that is very spiritual. Last week when Kevin Oberholzer spoke, he talked about the idea of being justified by faith. And justification is one of those big words in the book of Romans that basically means when God looks at you, if you're justified, it it is just as if you have never sinned. So when God looks at me, and I know when I look at me, I see failures and sin and imperfections and frustrations and betrayal. You know, the God may look at me, and he doesn't, he doesn't ignore all of those things. He's not blind to those things. But when he looks at me, he looks at just as if I've never sinned because of who I've put my faith in. Because I've put my faith in the work of Jesus Christ. And what we saw last week when Kevin talked about righteousness, righteousness means what is right and pleasing to God. When we are approved by God or we in right standing with God, in the Old Testament that came through our behavior, what we did. But in the New Testament through Christ, it comes through our belief, what we believe in. 
who we believe in, and we believe in the work of Jesus Christ. So that means, though I still bear all of these marks and these imperfections and struggles and and labels that I put on myself, and God, though he's not blind to those things, he doesn't look at me and see errors, imperfections, failure. He sees just as if I've never sinned because I've put my faith in Christ, and he looks at me and it puts Christ's righteousness on me. So when Paul talks about this, um, and we turn the corner in Romans 4, he's trying to encourage us to look at things, I believe, with an attitude of gratitude, not for the physical, but for the spiritual. So we're just going to briefly walk through this this morning for just a few minutes and encourage, hopefully, each other to be thankful for something that we could not accomplish on our own. Romans chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, Paul says this, Well then, what can we say about our ancestor Abraham? If he became acceptable to God because of what he did, then he would have something to brag about. But he would never be able to brag about it to God. The scriptures say God accepted Abraham because Abraham had faith in him. Now just stop there for a second. We're going to unpack what Paul was saying a little bit here. Because right before this passage, he was talking about this justification that I just mentioned. But then he turns the corner and he says, okay... As you Jewish people, he's writing to a bunch of Jewish people, Jewish Christians, and he's saying, look at your father Abraham. Abraham was, in the midst of everything going on, Abraham was considered to be the only righteous one, according to the Old Testament scriptures. Abraham was considered to be the model of how you should behave. He was the perfect model of what a Jewish person would look like. He trusted God, the scripture says, and God credited to him as righteousness. And what Paul is starting to say here is he's saying, Look at your ancestor Abraham. If he became acceptable to God because of what he did, then he would have something to brag about. And he's starting to touch on something that I think is really important, and that's this. We are unable to fix the problem that exists between us and God. You are unable to fix the problem that exists between you and God. Have you ever had a problem that you think was impossible to fix? Have you ever had a challenge or a struggle that you thought was impossible, that you were unable to do it without someone else's intervention? As we get older, I think this question becomes harder for us to grapple with because when you're a kid, you can be really good at breaking things. Anyone ever break something as a child? I was a master at taking things apart and not knowing how to put them back together again. I was curious on how things worked, but I wasn't always good at reassembling them. That takes time over time to learn how to do that over and over again. And there were many times I can go back and remember where I took something apart or I flattened a bike tire or I, you know, I remember one time I disassembled a video game system because I was curious. Don't ever try that, by the way, uh, because it's really hard to get back together. And I couldn't put it back together. And I remember I had to wait for my dad to come home and he, you know, put it back together and showed me how to do some of that. But when you have a problem that you can't fix, it makes you feel a bit helpless. When you're younger, when you're younger and you recognize your limitations, you recognize more quickly than adults that it's impossible sometimes to fix our problems. We need help. We need intervention. Now, as I've gotten older, some of the things that I've tackled, I've thought if I try hard enough, if I spend enough time at it, if I try every angle, if I call the right people, if I research the right stuff, if I spend enough hours on YouTube, I'm going to figure it out. 
See, YouTube is like our friend today, right? It's like the best learning tool in the history of the world up to this point because someone has recorded something that you want to see. I'm not kidding. You can probably YouTube almost anything that you want to see someone do, and someone probably did it at this point. There's millions and millions and millions of videos out there to help you understand something that it doesn't even matter what you're looking for. You know, if you want to know how to make like special little like sculptures out of marshmallows, you could probably do that. And someone probably did it on YouTube. Crazy things you can learn from online stuff. And and here's why I'm saying all of that. As I've gotten older, I've recognized that my capabilities have increased. That if I work hard enough, if I try hard enough, if I get the right degree, if I get the right education, if I go in the right path and make the right decisions, surely I can finally figure something out. And I'm a problem solver by nature. So it makes more sense for me to think that way. Paul's speaking to the people in Rome, Roman Christians, and he's saying something to them that should shock them and it should shock us as well. He's saying the problem that exists between us and God, the struggle that exists between us and God is impossible to fix on our own. We can't fix it. I can't fix it. You can't fix it. It is impossible to be fixed. And even if you look at Father Abraham, who was by definition the father of all fathers for the Jewish people and the Gentiles, as you look ahead, you can see how that works. He was the model for the nation of Abraham, the nation of Israel that all nations will be blessed through. He's saying here, Abraham was acceptable to God. He became righteous. There's that word, righteous. Not because of what he could do. Not because of the work he could perform. Because if he could do it, he could brag about it. If I could fix my problem between God and I, it would be hard for me to not stand here before you and say, look at me. Look what I did. You didn't do it. I did it. Look what I did. Do you ever feel like that sometimes? Where you've been able to solve a problem that no one else can solve? You know, there's this little meme that I use sometimes that I send to some of my friends, and there's a picture of this little kid, and he's all, like, greasy and dirty, and he's got no shirt on, and he's wearing, like, a diaper or something like that. And he's like this on the picture, and the picture just says, how I feel when I fix something. And he's just like, look at me. And it's an awesome picture, and I love it every time we fix it, because that's how I feel. Wow, I fixed it. I finally did it. It felt impossible. But how many times would we find ourselves leaning towards boasting about a problem that was spiritual if we had the means to fix it on our own? And yet we live in a world today with more knowledge, more wisdom, more education, more understanding than we've ever had in the history of the world. How much harder could it be for us today to recognize the problem between us and God cannot be solved on our own? So Paul tells us in verse 3, the scriptures say God accepted Abraham because Abraham had faith in him. And then he moves on to verse 4, and look what he says as an illustration. He says, money paid to workers isn't a gift. It's something they earn by working. But if you cannot make God accept you because of something you do, but you cannot, ex- I'm sorry, but you cannot make God accept you because of something you do. God accepts sinners only because they have faith in him. And he uses this comparison saying very clearly, when we work, We deserve to be paid a wage, right? There aren't too many people that want to work for free all the time. Usually when people work, they expect a wage in return. And when wages aren't coming as a result of that, people are out of there. They're not going to stick around very long. Why? Because the 
owner of that business or the company that you work for, the person that hires you, is obligated to pay you for the work that you have done. And what Paul is saying here to the church and what he's saying here to us is that if what we can do qualifies us, that God must respond, that is an obligation. And then therefore God is bound by what we do, not by who he is. And then he turns that corner and he says, and that's why this has nothing to do with our works. You cannot make God accept you because of something you do. God accepts sinners only because they have faith in him. And this is the beauty of Christianity. And it's something that you can see that has nothing to do with any other world religion you will ever study in the history of your life, past, present, and future. There is no other world religion. And look it up. Research it and you will find this to be the case. There is no other world religion that exists that allows you to be accepted by God because of what God has done for you, not what you have done for God. There is no other religion in the world. You can look, you can study, you can see, and they all have the same thing in common. Either they don't know what's happening, or they believe you work, you intently, you plug away, you work hard, you struggle, you do the best you can, and maybe at the end, when God weighs all the things in scale, the good things outweigh the bad, and you can be allowed into the graces of God and eternity with God. Christianity is the most crazy religion if it was created by mankind. Because mankind says, you earn it, therefore you deserve it. Mankind says, if you work for it, you should get it. If you put the effort in, you should get it. And God's word says, and the Christianity says, the way that the scriptures are written, it has nothing to do with what you do. It has nothing to do with what I do. It has everything to do with what Jesus did. We can't earn our salvation. You can't earn being accepted by God. He simply offers it, not out of obligation, but because he's absolutely, positively passionately in pursuit of relationship with you and me. That's the whole beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you can have people that have grown up in the church. Man, you know, I thought about this just a couple of weeks ago. There's two different groups of people that I've kind of heard of. When I was a kid, I grew up in the church and I spent most of my time in Christianity and Sunday school stuff and junior high and high school youth group. I didn't go to a Christian high school, but I went to a Christian college And I heard a lot about God, you know? I mean, just to be honest with you, sometimes, like, you hear about it so much that you just get sick of it, you know? I'm sorry, Lord. But I'm just being honest. Like, sometimes you hear that. I'm like, man, it's like you get up every day for breakfast. If you have cereal every day, you don't want cereal after a while. You know, you get out of your parents' house, and you want to have bacon and eggs or something. And that's how it felt like, in a silly way, spending all of my life doing that. And I noticed something over the years, that when people would give testimonies about what God did in their life, there were two different kinds of people. There was the person that said, you know, I was a mess before God. My life was a mess, and I was doing drugs, and I was doing this, and I was doing that, and God was not in my life at all, but then I found God, and my life turned around. And I could tell you as a kid, I would sit there and listen to those testimonies, and I'd say, I wish I was that person. I wish I had that much of a change to say how I lived like hell or I lived on my own and God grabbed a hold of me and changed. Why? Because this is what I believed. Because what I believed was that that testimony was more powerful because of the change. And then something happened to me as I got older and I noticed as I get older, I need, you should say you get wiser. I don't know if that's true, but I think I know how much more I don't know. But then as I got older, I recognized something. The most powerful testimony you can have, for one, is your testimony. But the most powerful testimony I have is the staying power of God to keep me in relationship with him for the last 47 years. Think about that. 
that God didn't abandon me. He never abandons us. That it's more powerful for me. I don't have to be somebody else, but I could look at the message that I see in the scripture. That his power, his drawing power, wasn't someone who just took me from, I was a mess and I lived life like hell and he flipped everything upside down and I have all this junk and baggage I've got to bring with me. I can say, from the moment that I was born, I was raised in a home where my mom loved me and she brought me to church by herself for four or five years. And my sister, for four or five years. And I went to every Sunday school thing that I could go. And I have all the pins, and I don't remember where they are, but I got them all, and I remember that. And I went to junior high school, and I went to high school, and I went to church, and I went to, to youth group, and I, and I studied the scriptures, and I did the best that I could, and I wasn't perfect, and I made plenty of mistakes, and I doubted a lot. I doubted a lot. And you know what I found? The older that I got, all of the work and the service, and I served in, in youth ministry, and I served in student ministry, and I served on, in, in high school and college, and I was on worship teams, and all those things that I did, I did all those things. And can I tell you, God was never impressed by anything that I ever did. But, but, he never let go. He never let go. And I guess I'm sharing this with you briefly this morning, not because I'm trying to share my own testimony. I'm simply saying, Paul is making a point here, and I hope I'm making sense when I'm saying this, is that every effort that we have in our own strength isn't going to draw us closer to God. Every effort we have this morning is not going to make us more favorably sought after by God. In fact, our work has nothing to do with whether God is willing to accept us. What we can be thankful for today is not how far away we've been from God or how close we try to stay to God. What we can be thankful for today is what God has done for us in spite of ourselves because he loves us and he desires us to be in relationship with him. And it's not about what we do. It's about what he's done for us. Paul moves on in verse 6 and he says, in the scriptures, David talks about the blessings that come to people who are acceptable to God. Even though, look what he says, even though they don't do anything to deserve these blessings. God blesses people whose sins are forgiven and whose evil deeds are forgotten. The Lord blesses people whose sins are erased from his book. He doesn't forgive us because we've accumulated enough credits in our bank account. He doesn't overlook those things because we've served enough in the church or we grew up in a Christian home or we've crossed every T and dotted every I. He blesses us and he forgives us, not because of what we do, but because of what he already did for us. See the difference? And that's something we can be thankful for. So I share those testimonies with you because again, how does this connect? When I look back and I hear the testimonies of people living one way and then living another way, and I looked at my own life over the years thinking, well, I never had a powerful testimony like that. My testimony was the opposite. But it's powerful Because I see all through the thread of my life that when I doubted, he was still there. When I questioned, he was still there. When I served, he was still there. And he never let me wander too far away from him. He was always by my side. He was always with me, even when I questioned and I doubted. Why? Because of the goodness of God. Because of the love of God. Because of the grace of God. Of God. And that's really what this message is about this morning, is being grateful for the grace of God. And what does grace mean? It's right there in that slide. Even though they don't do anything to deserve these blessings. That is the definition of grace this morning. That God offers us his grace, 
his salvation and his forgiveness, even though we're not worthy of it. And that's the beautiful message of the truth. This morning, we're going to take a few moments and we're going to talk about what it means to be thankful, but we're not going to talk about it through what we read and we're not going to talk about it through my lips. I want to talk about it for a few moments through your lips. And as the worship team gets ready to come, we're going to turn the corner this morning and we're going to begin our Thanksgiving service. And like I said earlier, we want to encourage you this morning to think about what God has done in your life. And it may not necessarily be because you have accepted it or because you have put a stamp of approval on it. When we look back, sometimes we see God working in our lives in spite of us. He draws us in spite of us sometimes. So can I encourage you as the team gets ready this morning, we're going to take, a few things are going to happen. We're going to take some time and sing some worship music. And then we're going to bring the microphone here and encourage you to come and share a few testimonies about what God has done. We're going to break with some more music. And then we're going to celebrate the goodness of God today by participating in a water baptism and experiencing a water baptism this morning. It's going to be a great time. So could I encourage you this morning, would you just take a moment and just bow your head as we just pray and we're going to ask God to just work in our place, in this place this morning. Father, I just thank you so much for who you are and what you've done. God, I just pray that this morning that we would have a heart of thanksgiving, not just, not just in the practical things today, Lord, but a heart of thanksgiving in the spiritual things this morning, to be reminded of your goodness to be reminded, as your word says in Romans, that has nothing to do with what we've done to earn your forgiveness and salvation. If we could do that, we would boast. But this morning we come to you humbly asking you to remind us of what we can be thankful for, not because of what we do, but in spite of what we do. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your promises. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to take a few moments this morning during our Thanksgiving service. We have a microphone open here for you. I just want to ask you to come and share a few moments about maybe what you're thankful for this week, this month, or this year. It can be a practical thing. It can be a spiritual thing. We just want to give you an opportunity to come and to share this morning to encourage others. And uh, the mic is open. We'll take a few moments to do that. So would you join us and come and share?
recommended I get a high-pec surgery, which involves a 12-inch incision where they visually remove any mucin deposits, and then they flood um, my abdominal cavity with heat of chemo for 90 minutes. So the surgery lasted eight hours, and I was in the hospital for eight days. So most people would ask, you know, why did this happen to me? Um, But instead I asked, what is this teaching me? So I learned that we serve a mighty God and that he loves and cares for all of us. God is with us every step of the way, and he always has and always will be. I learned that the power of prayer works. I had, I had so many people at Bridge and other churches, family, friends praying for me. And um, I truly believe it was the prayer that healed me way ahead of schedule. So I thank God for every milestone I hit in the hospital, and I even thanked him for the pain. So... A month ago, during my follow-up with my oncologist, he announced that my pathology report was clear and I was cancer-free. So, all thanks to God. Um, Just don't don't give up. Just know God is with you. Um, Just have faith and and he'll take care of you. So, amen. Praise Jesus. chances, but not just chances to kind of fix, um, well, not what we can do, but what he can do, but the opportunity to kind of uh, redo and the chances of, (sighs) sorry, I'm like nervous. All right. God is a God of chances. Chance to, um, he gives us a chance to kind of change our life and follow him. But for me, I love that God is a God of chance, but the chance of opportunity to get to know him. He gives us that chance to get to know him. And, like, he knows us from, like, the smallest detail and the greatest things that happen in our life. But we get to know the creator of the universe. I don't know famous people, but there's nobody more famous than him. And I'm just so thankful that he gives us the chance to have that personal relationship with him. It's unbelievable. And when Corona hit, I didn't really know if it was happening because it's in Texas and like they had a bunch of cases and you stay there for two weeks and you do a bunch of missionary and I didn't know if it was going to happen and my relationship with God at the time was really bad and I didn't really know him at all. And when I went there, I had like, like a reassurement, I guess, and it just like reassure me that he's still with me and that was like the best two weeks ever and I met so met so much amazing people and they really just helped me to like grow more in God and um that camp just everyone there was like so nice and uh just like really helped me
I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for um, my wife, my kids, Christ leading us in hard times. for what he's done in my kids I'm thankful for the leadership of this church from Pastor Paul to youth to Diane just the changes the strength in my kids and the heart they have for God Feel free to, to remain sitting, or if you want to stand, you feel, feel free to do so as well. But as we just think about this, I think Amazing Grace, this is the song that I think that we're really all talking about in a way. Um, so just feel free to reflect and connect with God at this time. We're going to continue our time of sharing this morning for a little bit. Um, as we also get ready... Uh, to prepare for our water baptism. So if those that are participating in our water baptism could go back behind the stage as we get ready for water baptism, that will happen in a few minutes. Um, We're also, if you don't know, we're also broadcasting our services online through Facebook and YouTube, and people are posting things that they're thankful for as well. So as we have more online things that people are thankful for, we're going to read them. Um, Two of the things that we were, that we recently just saw, uh, Sam posted that I'm thankful Um, I thank God that he's the God of second chances. And Johnny posted online that I'm thankful for Bridge Community Church and the people here who have helped me on towards God this year. So we're going to continue to open the mic up. If you would like to come and share during this time, please come. Don't be shy and just know that your words will be encouraging, not just to yourself, but also to others. I'll start this one. Sometimes God gives us um, small blessings that we don't know they're big blessings until we need them. So um, I'm really thankful for FaceTime (laughs) because during this time and during these last, well, this last couple months, a few months, a year, um, I haven't been able to see my family. And so FaceTime has been super helpful for not only that, but also for our kids to see their friends and still have um, that interaction. So small things until, little blessings until we know they're really big. It's hard to come up here after people cry because I'm a sympathy crier. Um, This year's been wow, chaotic and crazy and a lot of different voices telling you this is what's true, this is what's true and I hate that because I like I like math and math gives you one answer, <laughs> you know, one answer I love math because of that reason and one thing this year I'm thankful for is the truth of who God is and what he has done because it's true, he's true and I've been able to 
rest in that and just really pursue him more because I know he's true. And while there's a lot of voices telling us, no, this thing's true, that thing's true, I can go back and say, God, you're true. And what you say about me is true. And what you say about us is true. What you did for us is true. So I'm thankful for for God's word. Um, In John, it says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm very grateful for that. so hard to get out of your seat. (laughs) Um, It's also hard to pick one thing that you're thankful for. I'm thankful for so much with my family, and um, this year has been insane. (laughs) It's been, like Leslie said, sometimes chaotic, but sometimes really mundane. So it's been kind of like back and forth between the unexpected and the everyday expected. Um, But as I'm sitting here listening to everything, everybody talk. The one thing that's been consistent is you guys. <laughs> um, my church family, um, Christine, who I think walked out of the room, um, Jess, Sandy, Pauline, all the pastors here, um, from the first couple weeks when we were filming kids ministry in our living rooms, um, till now being back with everybody, um, Lisa, our small groups, being able to see everybody again, um, that's what I'm really thankful for. That's been the one thing that has been constant throughout this whole thing is God and, and our church. So I'm super thankful for everyone um, that has blessed our family in big ways and in small ways, some unexpected blessings we've had in the past couple weeks, which I know is for people in here. Um, thank you. Um, and, and yeah, that's that. Nice. <laughs> From Facebook, uh, Jennifer says that she's thankful for her, her job. She's my job, my family, my clients, and my faithful Jesus, who in the most difficult moments is there to lead me through it. Love that. Well, this is hard. Okay. Um, for a boatload of reasons, and I'm sure you can all relate, this has been a season of a lot of tears. Um, But I just wanted to read this psalm, this verse, because it's become really precious to me. And it says, Psalm 56, You have seen me tossing and turning through the night. You have collected all my tears and preserved them in your bottle. You have recorded everyone in your book. And to me, that just means God's touch and his personal. He cares about the tears. Like, he keeps our tears. He sees our heartache. He sees the junk we're walking through. And um, he preserves them. He sees them. And that's meant a lot to me as I have tossed and turned as maybe some of you have for many reasons he sees your tears and he loves us that much that he keeps them Um, from youtube cecilia shares that she is thankful for all the unseen work and heartfelt prayers throughout god's kingdom that have filled my family and the lives of others through bridge international and local connections my name is nari and i'm a frequent visitor with my friend becky and um not that i would thank the pandemic but that's the reason that drew me to this church and an outdoor service when i needed it the most you know a lot of people say to you nari god gives you what you can bear (laughs) went through a divorce um, 
I guess, coming full circle. Um, I needed the church when the pandemic happened the most or was in its thrust. So we came here, thankful for that, getting to know some of the people here. I don't know everybody. But coming full circle to that load of burden this past, uh, this Thanksgiving, I actually celebrated Thanksgiving with my ex-husband and his new wife. That's God's grace. Thank you. taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy, that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. I'm thankful for a God who turns our mourning into joyful dancing, who allows us to wallow in our self-pity for a minute, but still loves us the same on the other side. swirling around me, I'm reminded of these verses. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. I'm so thankful we serve a God who is trustworthy and that we can find peace and rest when we dwell with him. YouTube, Lindsay shares this. I'm grateful for the health of myself and my family, but mostly the God-given ability to truly focus on joy and happiness at a time when the world seems to be consumed by the negative. And uh, also from Facebook, Karen shares, I'm so very grateful, I'm so very thankful for the kindness and love of this church family and Pastor Paul on my son, Anders slash Cooper, Danielle, Joey, and Gabriella. Hi, everyone. So my name is Summer, and my family's back there. Um, my dad came up with my sister. Um, but I just want to say, my whole family wants to say that we're super thankful for the prayer chain and just the amount of love that's come from everybody here. Um, we've really needed it this past year, so thank you. do one more if there's someone else maybe one more that wants to share before we begin our baptism anyone else I didn't really want to do this but I'm up here anyways I got some quotes everybody knows me in front of a microphone usually is fun Um, if you aren't willing to look foolish you're foolish in fact faith is willing willingness to look foolish here because I need to be more thankful. Like most, this year, um, to be frank, has sucked. Um, I think pain is 
probably one of the most forefronts of maybe a lot of people um, this year, uh, especially in my life. There's been a lot of pain this year. But I think, and somebody else said it at the beginning, need to be more thankful for pain. Um, you know, everything is from God. And um, it, it's been a, a year of trying to learn to understand of, of things that I never thought I would face in my life. Um, a lot of them all hitting at the same time. Um, it's my first Thanksgiving as an orphan. Lost my mom this year. Um, felt like in a lot of ways, everything I prayed for, the opposite happened this year. Batting average wasn't too good. <laughs> However, I know God is still there, and uh, I need to be more thankful. And I have a few quotes that I've written down that I just thought, you know, just from listening to everybody, I was like, I have to, I have to do this, even though I really don't want to. But that's when usually God blesses. So I hope what I say uh, encourages some people here, as I try to encourage myself. Because I'll tell you what, there were certain times this year. I've been on this earth now for 52 years. Kind of like as Paul said, I've grown up in a Christian home. My dad was a pastor. But man, this year, I was like, God, I'm done. I don't even know if you're there. I don't even know if I want to serve you any longer. Just being honest. Like, I'm done. If there's another way, I would try to find it. But here's what I know. Satan has two tactics, discouragement and fear. Face them and chase them. Courage is putting yourself into defenseless positions. Make a choice to worship God in spite of your circumstances. One of the most paralyzing mistakes we make is thinking that our problems disqualify us from being used by God. If you don't have any problems, you don't have any potential. Your ability to help others heal is limited to where you've been wounded. Faith is not contingent on our circumstances, but our confidence is upon the character of God. And really the verse that I've been praying for myself for this year is, those who endure to the end will be saved, Matthew 24, 13. So never give up. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is just get up in the morning and keep moving. do one more here and then we're going to go into our water baptism susan from facebook i mean that sounds kind of weird doesn't it susan from facebook says this post has been censored did i say no i'm just kidding susan from facebook says so grateful that god is unchanging during this chaotic year and then he can make good things come from the most impossible situations romans 4 7 through 8 says, What a blessing when God forgives our sins and our evil deeds. What a blessing when the Lord erases our sins from his book. And we've been thankful for a lot of different things this morning. You've heard people talk about the thanksgiving and pain and family and perseverance and preserving truth. We're going to give thanks today that someone crossed over and made a decision to follow Christ not because they're perfect, but because Jesus is. 
We're going to celebrate that this morning with them because they made a decision to said, that says in the midst of all the mess, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the impossible situation that they wrestle with and we all wrestle with, they found the truth. And the truth is that Jesus Christ is the one who can deliver us from this mess. Though we may struggle and though there may be pain in this world, Jesus says, take heart for I've overcome the world. So we're going to celebrate water baptism this morning. Water baptism is an opportunity for us to make a declaration of what God is already doing in the inside of our hearts. By us celebrating water baptism and us participating in water baptism, it's not a definition. It's not the definition of salvation. When someone gets water baptized, they're not saved. They make a decision to follow Christ before they ever get baptized. We tell them it's the outward demonstration of the inward transformation. All they're doing is telling everyone on the outside what God's already been doing on the inside. That they're dead to their sin. And they lay down into the water as if they're laying into the grave. And the water cleanses them and purifies them from the sin like the blood of Christ cleanses us from our sin. And as they come out of the water, they're a new creation, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And though we still have the outer shell that remains with us, we are renewed inside because of the work of Jesus Christ. So we're going to celebrate that this morning. And though there's a lot of ups and downs during this season, this is a time of our church that we celebrate. We cheer. We applaud. You can jump up and down if you want to, but I'm not there yet after Thanksgiving. But we're going to still cheer, and we're still going to celebrate. And it's an awesome opportunity for us to do that this morning. Today we have a great opportunity to see a son get baptized by their dad by his dad. And I'm going to ask, would you please take a few moments and join me as we welcome Kenneth Mwanza as he's baptized by his dad, Theo. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 